6, we'll read down to it, right? These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this life, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and of Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, let me ask you, what is eternal life? Now, think about it. Don't just give me the pat answer. What is eternal life? What does eternal mean? Forever and ever, right? Now, does eternal have any ending? Does eternal have any beginning? No. So when he gave you eternal life, what did he give you? Give you his life. It has no beginning and it has no ending. He gave you his life. Now, part of that, a glorious part of that, is heaven. But that's not all of it. He's actually put you in his life. He's given you his life. And how, does it, how do we get that life from verse 3 there? How do we actually get that life? It's, it's in verse 3. It's given? It's given, yes. Look at verse 3. By knowing him, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Now, so in order for you and I to have this eternal life that he's talking about, we have to know him. Right? Now if I ask you, do you know God? Everybody in the room is going to say, well, yeah, I know of it. I've heard of him. But you know, we've also heard of David Beckham. But I don't know David Beckham. You know, if he saw me in the street, he wouldn't have any idea who I was. Um, I don't know him. He doesn't know me. I've just heard of him. A lot of people's understanding of God is about like that. Yeah, you've heard of him, but that's different to knowing him. Knowing him means having a relationship with him. It means being involved in relationship with him. And coming to know him is the secret to eternal life. It's where eternal life comes from. Knowing Jesus Christ is life eternal. Uh, He whom the Father hath sent, okay? So if you don't know him tonight, then you don't have eternal life. And it's not enough for you to say, well, I heard about him. Well, you got to know. Do you know your mother? Whether she's living or dead, she's somebody that's etched in your heart. You just know her. Could anybody convince you she didn't exist? Possible. She's real. You know her. You're supposed to know God in a real way. That's where eternal life comes from. Knowing God, right? Uh, And his son, Jesus Christ. Then he says, I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now, God gave the son, the father gave the son work to do on the earth, and Jesus did the work. In fact, The most exciting thing Jesus ever did was doing the will of the Father. That's what he did always. Now, for him, doing the will of the Father was pretty high up there and pretty exciting. For you and I, it may not be the same, but doing the will of the Father is the most exciting thing we ever get to the place where we're going to do. Doing what he wants us to do. And now, O Father, 
glorify, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. You see, Jesus didn't begin when he hit the earth. He had always been with the Father. Verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest to me, gavest them to me, and they have kept thy word. All right, now here's my question for you. How well did they do at keeping his word? How well did they do at keeping his word? Let's take Peter. He's kind of a... Uh, the wonderful example of Peter is this, that Peter's out there. He kind of puts it out there. He kind of... Uh, <clears throat> he says it where everybody else would be, <clears throat> would be hiding and pretending. Uh, they understood, but Peter's going to blurt it out and say it. How well did Peter do at keeping his word? Julie's shaking her head. <laughs> he didn't do very well, did he? I mean... <clears throat> What's going to happen when Jesus goes to the cross with Peter? Peter's going to deny him. He's going to run. Oftentimes, Peter gets it wrong. But, but what do we see about the disciples? As frail and as weak as they were, that's a constant, except for one. What do we see about them that's a constant? What do we see about Peter? Peter blows it. And I mean, he's given up. He's kind of he's saying, you know what? I'm not, I'm not up for this. I'm going back to fishing. Right? We understand that. That's a difficult... He had failed miserably when he denied the Lord Jesus. But did he stay fishing? No, he couldn't, could he? He got re-enlisted and he got brought back. and he, and he got, Eventually, Peter gives his life for the Lord. Here's the point I want to make to you. These men that Jesus says kept his word weren't perfect. I'm glad they weren't perfect. Because if perfection in keeping his word was what was needed, I'd be in trouble. You'd be in trouble too, wouldn't you? But you know what? They always came back. They always came back to him. Except Judas. Why didn't Judas come back? What was the difference for Judas? Judas never knew him. He said, well, hang on, he walked with him. Judas carried the bag. He was the money man. He never knew him. He never knew Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. He just knew him as a great teacher. He knew him as a good guy. So when it came to the end, he was willing to sell him out for, a, uh, for, for, for 30 pieces of silver that was going to give him a nice, happy, easy life. He never knew him. He didn't understand. He didn't understand who it was that he was selling out. Nobody would sell Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. That's not, that's, that's not reasonable. He didn't know him. Now, you know, we're talking to somebody, we're talking actually before the prayer meeting about um, uh, people who get saved, but you look at them sometimes and you wonder, hang on, they, 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 they're not living. That life, that, it's not real not for them. 
And, and you never know with somebody. But you know, the reality is that when somebody's saved, they always end up coming back. They can't stay away. It's in them. They always end up coming back. Because what God did was when he saved somebody is he puts eternal life in them. That's pretty powerful stuff. He puts eternal life in them and it won't quit. And it won't go away and they know it. And, and though they may not keep his word perfectly, because none of us do. You know, the reality is they can't stay away. Judas could stay away because he was never his. And even when Judas came to the place where he regretted his sin, he thought, that's dumb, I shouldn't have sold him. Uh, give me back, I, I'm giving you back your money and they wouldn't take the money back. Um, and he went out and hanged himself. He didn't come to Jesus and say, listen, you're the Messiah, you're the King. I've done you a great wrong. But will you please forgive me? If he'd known anything about Jesus, he'd have known he would. He'd have known him. He, would. he, he, wouldn't, he wouldn't have withheld that from him. See, if you know anything about him, you, you have to understand that, <clears throat> listen, he forgives. He forgives us even though we don't deserve it. But, but, but he always forgives when we come to him and ask. And you know, if you don't know Jesus tonight, it would be a great night for you to get to know him. Come to him and ask. Come to him and tell him you want to know him. Come to him and tell him you've done wrong. It would be a great night for you to come to him and um, <clears throat> And bow before him. And if you're here tonight and you're, 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 you're a believer, you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, but you know what? You've not been keeping his word, and you know you've not. <clears throat> you know, we've been talking about it now for several weeks. You know what? Come to him. Come back and say, Lord, forgive me. I want you. And, and he's always going to meet you more than halfway. He's always going to go further than you will go in the situation. Right? <clears throat> but come to him. If you know him and who he is and the reality of the eternal life he's given you, come back to him. Let him have his will uh, in your life. Okay, uh, we're, we're back to the commands of Christ, right? We, we talked about take my yoke upon him the last time, upon you the last time. I want to look at three tonight. First one is honor your parents in Matthew 15 verse 4. Uh, let me just read it for you. For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. What does it mean to honor your father and your mother? By the way, I should give you a bit of a background to this. It's obviously one of the commandments. Right? <clears throat> uh, but not only is it one of the commandments, uh, but Paul tells us that it's the first commandment with promise. He says, Honor your father and mother that it may be well with you and that the days that you live in the land may be long. You want a long, happy life? Honor your mother and your father. It doesn't matter what age you are, honor your mother and your father. Right? Now, here's the question. What does that mean? What does it mean to honor your mother and father? Come on, you can talk. I know it's Wednesday night, but it's a good night for talking. What does it mean to honor your mother and your father? I'll sit far away as, as far away as you can, girls, all right? <laughs> what, 
What does, what does it mean to, to honor? What does it mean to honor somebody? To give I, respect. Okay, treat, give them respect. That would, that would be basic to it, wouldn't it? It would be basic for you to respect somebody um, <clears throat> that you're going to honor. Right? Does it say they're supposed to deserve? No. It doesn't. It says you're supposed to honor them. Right? So, um, <clears throat> so if, if, if you honor somebody, would you do what you're told? Yeah. If you honored somebody, would you take care of them as they got older? Yeah. You'd treat them with respect, and you would look after them, and you would take care of them as much as you're able. I understand, you know, everything's not easy in life, and, you know, uh, it's very easy for me to say things uh, that that, that look crystal clear from up here, and yet when you begin to practice them in your life, they get to be more difficult than that, and I understand that. But here's the thing. You have a biblical command that overrides your feelings, and you're supposed to honor them. Let me ask you, how are you doing as far as that's concerned? How are you doing as far as honoring your parents is concerned? It's a pretty important deal for you. And remember, when we talk about the commands of Christ, he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Do you know that if we love him, we'll honor our parents? And you see, here's what happens. All these commands that we're looking at, what they, what they show us is, they show us whether we love him or not. Because the basis for me honoring my parents is not because it's easy. It's not because it doesn't cost me anything. It's not because it doesn't, you know, <clears throat> it's, it, you know it, I, I like doing it. The basis of me honoring my parents is the command of Christ. He says, honor your parents. So I'm supposed to do it. As long as they live, I'm supposed to honor them. I guarantee you, that'll cost you. And maybe you, like I, didn't do such a good job when you were young. Uh, and, you know, uh, maybe, maybe honoring your parents wasn't high on your agenda. Well, you know what, you need to make that right. You need to straighten that out and fix that up and get that sorted out. Because it's, 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 one, of those, it's one of those commands <clears throat> that that will define your life in many ways. You can't shirk it, you can't get away with it, you can't kind of hide from it, you've you got to actually do it. If you want a good, long, happy life, you have to honor your parents. And you honor your parents because you love Jesus. All right? Okay, let's, let's, let's move on to the next one here, right? <clears throat> um, I think we, we mentioned this one. Beware of leaven. Matthew 16, verse 6 says, Take heed... And beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, what he's talking about there is that the leaven he's talking about is the doctrine, the teaching. Do you know that your doctrine, the teaching you subscribe to, the, um, <clears throat> the truth you take in is really important to you? That's really, that, 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 that you know... <clears throat> I mean, there's a whole bunch of problems. When you take in false doctrine, you get a, pe- a wrong picture of who God is. Right? And remember, your picture of who God is, the picture that you carry in your heart, that you're thinking of who God is, is really important to you. Right? I was raised with the idea that God was angry all day long. And he was most angry when somebody was having fun. 
and he wanted to stop that from happening. I, I mean, I mean, I, I might not have been able to articulate that for you, but that's what my thinking was. Now, what do you think that does to you as far as your, <clears throat> as far as your relationship with God is concerned? What, what, what do you do with somebody who's angry all the time, particularly when you're having fun? You avoid them. That's what you do. You run from them. Well, you don't want to be around somebody like that. You just said, that's just, there's no fun in that. Which is exactly what I did. But then I came to find out that that's not who God is at all. That God made fun. That that's not all God is. He's not fun. He's not all about fun for us. But, you know, God's not angry with me all the time. God loves me. The Bible says that he delights over us. That he joys over us with singing. I was just, God loves us. So, <clears throat> what I need to understand is that this God that I want to have a relationship and wants to have a relationship with me actually loves me. He's, he's somebody I can relate to. You see, I can relate to somebody that loves me but I can't follow this God that is always upset and always angry and always looking for more. And that's not who he is. You know, listen, if, you're, if you are in the integrity of your heart, are seeking him, he's happy with you. Do you know that? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to get it all right. You don't have to cross all your T's the right way and, and dot all your I's. You don't have to do all that. You, you if you're if you're seeking him with your heart, he's happy with you, and you can enjoy a relationship with him. <clears throat> All right, Luke nine. This is where we're going to park for a little while, right? Luke chapter nine. Luke chapter nine. And we're looking at verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. So we'll take our time and tease through this pa passage here, right? <clears throat> and he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be a castaway? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you of a truth, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. Now, we're not going to look at verse 27, but uh, back up to verse 23, and let's unpack it, okay? Uh, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. If I ask you to deny someone, what would that mean? How, how, how would you deny somebody? Not let them have something. Okay. That would be one way. How, how did Peter deny Jesus? He denied him three times. How did he deny him? Do you remember how he denied him? What did he? I didn't know him. I never knew him. I, I, 
I have nothing to do with him. He has nothing to do. Why did Peter do that in Luke 22? Why did Peter deny Jesus? Because he was afraid. He was afraid of what? Of punishment of being killed. Yeah, he was afraid the same, they'd do the same thing to him that they were doing to Jesus. So he was terrified. He was, he was, he, this and fear just gripped his heart and he was terrified. Right? So he denied him. He said, I don't know. Nothing to do with me. Never, never met him. Right? Uh, <clears throat> three times somebody said to him, yeah, you, you were with you. No, 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 never knew him. Right? So he said, I don't know him. I have nothing to do with him. I've never met him. Okay? Now, how would you do that to yourself? Kind of hard, isn't it? How would you do that to yourself? Deny yourself. Now, let me say this. Verena said you could deny somebody something. When I was a kid, we would deny ourselves things for length. For Lent, right? I, I gave up uh, sugar for Lent. And I never went back on it. It was a pretty good idea, actually. Right? <clears throat> but you would deny yourself something for Lent. Right? That's not what it's talking about. It's not denying yourself something. It's denying yourself. In other words, David O'Gorman, I don't know. Nothing to do with him. Never met him. Nothing to me. That's, that's a tall order, isn't it? That is a tall order. Now, words have meaning, and, and we can't just make up a meaning to suit us. That's what it means. Right, now, let's, let's, let's unpack it some, some further, because there's some key words in it here. Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Now, what would it mean to take up your cross? By the way, Jesus hasn't gone to the cross yet. Right, so and they really obviously they haven't understood he's going to the cross because they don't understand it even on Easter uh, Sunday when, when he um, <clears throat> when he rises from the dead. So w- when he says to these guys, "Take up your cross," what picture comes to their minds? What do you, what do you think picture comes into their minds? Dying. Dying. What kind of dying? A horrible death. A horrible death. Come on, folks, talk to me. All right, come on. We, we can talk. We, we, listen, we even got a fewer number here tonight, so we, we can definitely talk, all right? Um, <clears throat> the cross was an implement of torture. And it was well used by the Romans. It wasn't just something they took out to crucify Jesus with. They did it all the time. They controlled one tiny little city, controlled the whole world. And one of the ways they did it was, if you got in trouble with them, they would crucify you. They would, they would take you, they would nail you to a cross, and they would leave you dying in agony for three days in public. So everybody saw you. Everybody had seen a cross. Everybody had seen the horrible spectacle of somebody dying on a cross. Everybody was terrified of the cross. Everybody had it in their minds, whatever happens, I'll do whatever they tell me. I'm not going on a cross. 
That's that they controlled by fear, and the cross was the 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 low point or the high point, uh, whatever you like of of the fear. They were terrified. So when Jesus says to, says, says to the disciples, uh, "Take up your cross daily," they're going, "What? Did did he just say that? Did did he really mean that? Take up your cross daily." Do you know what he's talking about? He's talking about a dying to self daily. Not, 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 not Dave's life, not what Dave wants, not Dave's, Dave's way, but your way, Lord. I'm going to give myself to you. I'm going to give in to you. I'm going to let you have your way in my life. He's talking about dying daily. But let's unpack some more here, right? <clears throat> and follow me, right? <laughs> For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Now, what's that talking about? Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. What does that mean? Do you know that you and I can hold on to our life, my way, what I want? I'm going to have it. I am going to live my life. I'm going to enjoy it. It's my life. And we end up losing it. We hold on to it so tight that we lose it. We don't want to give it up. We want our own way. And they say that how to catch a monkey is you put an orange in a container... And you make a hole that's just big enough for a monkey to get his, his, his little paw hand, whatever you call it, through, but not big enough for him to take it out again with, when he's caught the orange. So the monkey will come along, and he puts his hand through the little hole, and he gets the orange, and he tries to get his hand out, and he can't get his hand out. And you can come along and you can catch the monkey, because the monkey's too dumb to let go of the orange and pull his hand back out again. He's going to hold on to his orange. He's going to have his orange, and nobody's taking his orange off him, and he loses his life on the head of it. He gets caught in the head of it. Now, do you know that you and I can be as dumb as that? We can hold on to having our own way, and we can end up losing. I've seen lots of people do it. I've seen lots of people wanting their own way, demanding their own way, holding on to their own way, and losing their lives, ending up miserable, ending up broken, ending up with lives that are difficult and awful. I've seen people do it. And you look at them and you want to scratch your head and you want to say, why don't you just give in? But they won't give in. They hold on. They hold on to the orange. <clears throat> like the monkey. But, but look what else he says. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. That if you will give your life up to him, you end up having a life. That if you let him have your life, if you give him your life, if you yield your life to him, that you end up having a life. And I've seen lots of people do that too. 
people who made decisions in life that looked like, oh, good night. You are going to lose out big time on that call because that wasn't the, the worldly wise decision to make. But they make a decision to do what God wants them to do, even though it's likely to cost them everything. And you look at them afterwards and their lives are working. Things are going better. There's blessing and there's good things and there's good times going on in their lives. How does that work? You see, here's how it works. You and I are not in charge. We, we think we're in charge. We're not in charge. We can't make it happen. Nothing. In fact, our best efforts will always come up short because we're not able. We're just human beings. God's in charge of everything. Every breath you take, every mouthful of food you eat, every hair on your head, every moment of your life, God's in charge of all of it. Now, he's able to take and make it run smooth and sweet and beautiful. Or he's able to take and he's able to make it grind hard. He can do it. And he's not afraid to do it either, by the way. And so here's what he does. You come to him and you say, Okay, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. You do whatever you want with it, Lord. I want want it your way. And he's the master of finding ways to finger you in it and say, Will you let me have this? But you come to him and you say, Okay, Lord, I'm I'm giving it to you. Even, even, Even if I never have all the fun I want, even if I never have everything I want, I'm giving it to you. And he says, okay, child. And he takes it. And he does take it. Don't for a moment think that he's kind of going to, going to back out and, and not take it. No, he takes it. But then he gives back so much more. He takes such good care of us. Our difficulties, yes, but blessings that you and I have no right to ever even expect come our way. Because he's in charge. He's God. But you say, no, 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 no. I couldn't trust him. I wouldn't trust him. Listen, he could do anything. And he can. He can do anything. He's God. It goes with the name. I, no, I couldn't trust him. I couldn't yield to him. I couldn't give myself to him. If I gave myself to him, anything could happen. You do that, and what, what happens? What happens is... You end up with him taking back blessing, not blessing in your life. And, and if God doesn't bless, it doesn't matter what you do, it won't work. If God doesn't choose to bless your life, there's no way it's going to work. You say, but I have a great plan. It'll fall apart. I have experience it's all ultimately God. And you see, the way for you and I to have a life is for us to come to the place where we yield ourselves to him and say, Lord, I want you, I want your life, I want you to have your way, not me. And, and, and we always feel like we're going to die at that point. Like it's the end of us. But it never is. You come to those crisis points in your life where you feel like it's all over and you're yielding it all to him. And what happens is things get better. 
Jesus, let's use Jesus as an example for a moment. Jesus, Jesus came to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and he cried out to the Father and asked him if it were possible to take it away. But then he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And he gave himself to the Father, and the Father took it. And he went to the cross. And he gave his all. But three days later, he stepped out of the tomb, glorified. Three days later, he walked free from all of it, never to be touched by it again. He's the King of kings and he's the Lord of lords. But do you know the example, the picture for us is? We've got to give it. We've got to yield it. We've got to say yes to God and no to self. We've got to let him have our lives if we're going to really have a life. It's the only way. There's, there's no other way around it. And if we don't, what happens is we end up struggling all our lives. Now look, I, I suppose as normal, what we got here tonight, we've got some people that are saved and know the Lord. We've got some people who have given their lives and are giving, because it's take up your cause daily. Don't ever rest on your laurels and think it's all over. I've done my giving. I guarantee you he's got something coming up tomorrow where he's going to say to you, what about this? Right? But you're in the place where, you've, as far as you know, you've given your life to him, and you are, you are, you are denying yourself, and you are going after him. And, and you know what? At this stage, you've seen some of the blessings, so you're kind of encouraged to keep going. And there are group of people here, and you're saved. You know you're going to heaven, but oh, you're struggling because you're holding on to your life. And yeah, you're saved, and you're going to heaven, but it's my life. And I've got to live it my way, and I've got to do what I think is best. Give it up. Give it over. Let him have it. Let go of the orange. It's not worth having and then there's some <clears throat> who are not saved and don't know him yet. Now let me read you the next verse. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? What's it going to matter to you in the final analysis? Though you live your life and gain the whole world. That's, that's more money than, <clears throat> than Bill Gates has. The whole world's a lot of money. What's it going to matter to you in the final analysis if you get it all but don't get eternal life? If you get it all but end up in hell, what's it going to matter to you? It's going to be the poorest choice and the worst deal you could have made. So here's what you need to do. If you're not saved tonight, cry out to him. Lord, I, I, I want to give myself to you. I, I want you to have my life, Lord, save me. Do it with all your heart. If you're here tonight and you're saved, but you're not walking with him and you're kind of holding on to your life, say, Lord, I want you. I'm not able, but I want you. I want to give it to you. And 
we need to understand that when he said deny yourself, he wasn't talking about something for hyper-religious people. He was talking to you and I. They're words that Jesus spoke, and he meant us to do it. He meant us to put ourselves in his hands and let him have his way. And as always, when you let God have his way, you end up getting his best. And his best outweighs anything you could ever dream. But there's always that crisis, that moment of faith where you say, Lord, I'm giving up, I want you, I want your way. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for these that have come. And, oh, Lord, I do pray that you would just bless us tonight and that this truth would strike a chord deep in our hearts. And, Lord, that we would indeed yield ourselves to you and that we would let you have your way in us. For that one that does not know you as Savior, blessed Spirit of the living God, may this be their moment. Draw them to you. Help them to cry out to you. And, Lord, save them, we pray. And for that one that does know you but is struggling, Lord, is resting, trying to hold on to life, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you do the work that only you can do? Would you bring them to that place of yielding so that you can have your way and they can have peace? In Jesus' name, amen.